circulating tumoral DNA, pre-analytical validation, and quality control in a diagnostic laboratory. An article by Sergei Nikolev, Thierry Nuspikel and others, from University Hospitals of Geneva, Geneva, Switzerland. Analytical Biochemistry, 2018. Abstract. We present the results of our technical validation process in establishing the analysis of circulating tumor DNA, CTDNA, as a diagnostic tool. Like most cells in our body, tumor cells shed DNA in the blood flow. Analysis of CTDNA mutational content can provide invaluable information on the genetic makeup of a tumor and assist oncologists in deciding on therapy or in the following residual disease. However, low absolute amounts of circulating DNA and low tumor fraction constitute formidable analytical challenges. A key step is to avoid contamination with genomic DNA from cell leases. Several brands of specialized blood collection tubes are available to prevent leukocyte lysis. We show that they are not equally efficient depending on storage temperature and time before plasma preparation. We report our analysis of pre-analytical factors pertaining to CTDNA analysis, tubes, transportation time, temperature, and our conclusions in terms of instructions to prescribing physicians. We also stress the importance of proper DNA quality control and compare several methods, including a differential amplicone length PCR technique, which allows determination of multiple QC parameters from minimal amounts of DNA. Altogether, these data provide useful practical information to diagnostic laboratories wishing to implement the assay of CTDNA in clinical practice. Introduction Analysis of circulating tumor DNA, CTDNA, is a promising new tool in oncology. As other cells in our body, cancer cells release DNA upon dying and some of it escaping destruction by macrophages, finds its way into the blood flow. This DNA can be distinguished from DNA originating from normal cells by the presence of specific and or multiple somatic mutations, using either high throughout sequencing or highly sensitive methods such as real-time PCR or digital droplet PCR. Current applications of CTDNA analysis include liquid biopsy, for example, the analysis of the tumor genome without the need for invasive procedures, which can, for instance, provide information on potential tumor response to therapy. Along the same line, a simple blood draw allows to remotely sample tumor cells throughout the entire body, without the potential selective bias of a surgical biopsy. The resulting information can be used to decide between therapeutic alternatives such as adjuvant chemotherapy or additional surgery and to follow up on the evolution of residual disease. Finally, preliminary proof of principal work indicates that the presence of CTDNA in pre-symptomatic individuals may become a useful screening strategy to complement more traditional 
but often in more invasive approaches such as mammography or colonoscopy. For all its premises, CTDNA nevertheless presents considerable challenges for genetic laboratories. For one thing, the amount of circulating DNA, whether tumour or not, is limited, usually estimates being in the range of 5 to 10 nanogram per ml plasma, which correspond to 1,500 to 3,000 copies of the haploid human genome. Furthermore, most of this DNA originates from normal cells, mostly from the hematopoietic compartment, and ctDNA generally represents only a minor fraction of it, possibly as little as 0.1% of the total, if not less. Thus, in practice, a laboratory seeking a particular mutation must be able to reliably detect as few as 1 to 3 mutated copies per ml of plasma. In addition, DNA released by apoptosis is highly degraded by nature. On average, DNA fragments are circa 170 base pair long, corresponding to the length of DNA wrapped around a nucleosome and protected from degradation. Secondary peaks representing multimers of nucleosomes can be detected, but they only represent a minor fraction of the total. Finally, the small quantity of cell-free circulating DNA has to be compared with the overwhelming amount of genomic DNA packed into white blood cells. Cell lysis need to be avoided at any cost to prevent the release of a large amount of normal DNA, potentially leading to a false negative result. To address the latter issue, several companies have designed specific blood collection tubes containing anticoagulant molecules, as well as proprietary compounds designed to prevent cell lysis. The performance of these tubes is critical as a first step towards ctDNA purification and, despite manufacturers' claims, can be altered by several factors, such as time until plasma separation and storage, and transportation temperatures. Furthermore, one needs to consider potential inhibitor effects of the cell-stabilizing compounds and subsequent enzymatic reactions required during the analytical phase, for example, PCR and repair negation. Therefore, a solid quality control strategy is absolute prerequisite to ensure that only DNA samples of optimal quality will be analyzed. In this paper, we present the results of our technical validation process in establishing analysis of ctDNA as a diagnostic tool in our laboratory. We concentrated on the analysis of pre-analytical variables such as those mentioned above and on the selection of an appropriate quality control strategy. Our findings should help determining the pre-analytical basis of ctDNA analysis for other laboratories seeking to add this analysis to their catalogue and facing the same decisions we had to make. Results Type of tubes and temperature dependence We tested three brands of specialized blood collection tubes in addition to the standard ADTA tubes PCT from Streck INC, PAX gene tubes from Kiagen GmbH 
and CFDNA collection tubes from Roche GmbH, formerly from Ariosa. We wish to determine how effective the four types of tubes were in preventing contamination by genomic DNA as a function of time and storage temperature, 4 degrees Celsius, room temperature, 30 degrees Celsius and 39 degrees Celsius. We first investigated the effect of delaying plasma preparation of the blood draw, as might happen due to transportation. In standard ATTA tubes kept a room temperature 22 to 24 degrees Celsius, a noticeable contamination by high molecular weight DNA, most likely originating from leukocyte lysis, was apparent after 24 hours. Quality control by differential amplicon length PCI confirmed that contamination steadily rises to reach a plateau around 48 hours, which is maintained until the last time point we checked one week after blood sampling. By contrast, blood sampled into specially formed tubes, Kiergen or Streck, remained without noticeable contamination by high molecular weight DNA after one week at 22 degrees Celsius. These include a set of samples mailed across the country, which spent three days in the hands of the postal service without any apparent consequences. Quality control by PCR confirmed a cell-free DNA prepared from one-week-old samples performed just as well as freshly prepared cell-free DNA in amplification tests. In Roche tubes, no contamination was detectable by capillary electrophoresis after one week. However, a small but statistically significant P less than 0.01 increase in the 305 base pair 41 base pair ratio was detected by PCR. We then asked whether these results would be affected by storage and transportation temperature. Blood samples were exposed to a regiment of temperatures such as can occasionally be encountered in Switzerland during the summer months, 30 degrees Celsius during daytime, 12 hour, and 22 degrees Celsius at night. Under these conditions, no detectable contamination by genomic DNA was apparent after one week in Kiergen and Streck tubes, whereas high molecular weight DNA began to burn rash tubes around day 5 and subsequently increase it during the next two days. We also investigated the effect of a single accidental exposure to higher temperatures, such as samples being left in a delivery van parked in the sun on a hot summer day. Blood samples in various types of tubes was exposed to a 39 degrees Celsius for 5 hours then kept at 22 degrees Celsius for another 19 hour. Plasma prepared from Kiergen Roche and Strax tubes did not display detectable contamination by high molecular weight DNA, whereas contamination was massive in EDTA tubes. Finally, we attempted to refrigerate blood collected in EDTA tubes at 4 degrees Celsius from various time periods prior to plasma preparation. This strategy clearly reduced cell lysis in these tubes, and no contamination by high molecular weight DNA was apparent upon capillary electrophoresis until five days after sampling. 
However, a slight contamination was already detectable after five days when using a more sensitive PCR-based quality control test. Quality control strategy. We routinely assessed two parameters for DNA prepared from plasma samples. One, the amount of DNA appraised by fluorimeter and two, the presence of high molecule weight DNA appraised by capillary electrophoresis and taken as a sign of contamination by cellular DNA. The disadvantage of such a strict quality control strategy is that it consumes a significant amount of DNA, 0.5 to 2 nanogram for fluorimetry and 1 to 4 nanogram for capillary electrophoresis. In addition, neither of these parameters provides information nor one of the most important issues for further analysis, whether DNA quality is adequate for amplification by PCR. We thus attempted to address all three questions with a single PCR-based quality control test. We used a commercial kit intended for quality control of DNA extracted from formerly fixed paraffin-embedded FFPE tissue, which relies on differential amplification of amplicons of various length. It uses real-time PCR to quantify the amount of circulating DNA against a standard curve of high molecule weight DNA using three amplicons of different lengths in the same gene, one primer being common to all three amplicons, 41 base pair 129 base pair and 305 base pair. The premise of the test is that the amplification of damaged or fragment DNA will be more difficult in larger amplicons, which can be revealed by dividing the quantifications obtained with the 129 base pair or 305 base pair amplicons by that obtained with the 41 base pair amplicon. We reasoned that with an average length of about 170 base pair, cell-free DNA amplification will perform poorly for the 129 base pair amplicon and even worse for the 305 base pair amplicon. By contrast, in case of contamination by genomic DNA of leukocytic origin, amplification of larger amplicons ought to be proficient. Figure 3a demonstrates the small 41 base pair amplicon can indeed be used to reliably quantify DNA extracted from plasma. Correlation with fluorimetric measurements was excellent with R to the power of 2 of 0.9 and a slope approaching 1. Repeatability and reproducibility were determined by repeated measurements of the same sample. Two aliquots were assayed and triplicate on two different occasions by one operator and on a third occasion by a different operator. Coefficients of variation were 12.7% between triplicates, 9.5% between aliquots, 1.2% between repeats by the same operator and 3.1% between operators. An ANOVA analysis revealed that 67% of the variance was explained by well-to-well -well variations. 27% by aliquot sampling and duration, 5.7% by change in operators and 0.3% by repeats on different days. 
As expected, quantification by larger amplicons was underestimated in cell-free DNA. The 305 to 41 ratio was about 0.2 in cell-free DNA compared to circa 0.85 in genomic DNA. Figure 1 demonstrates that contamination by high molecule weight DNA is easily revealed by a rise in the 305-41 ratio up to values of 0.7 approximately. We also verified that the test had the power to detect potential amplification problems due to poor DNA quality. To this end, cell-free DNA was either depurinated by timed incubation at pH 3.0 or irradiated by 254 nm UV light, which induces polymerase telling pyrimidine dimers. Both treatments resulted in drops of the 305-41 ratio, which was expected since larger amplicons have a higher probability to contain DNA lesions. Similar results were obtained with genomic DNA, with which it is even easier to visualize low amounts of the image, as the initial 305 to 41 and 129 to 41 ratio are closer to 1 and provide a greater dynamic range. The 305 to 41 ratio is more sensitive and useful to detect a low amount of the image whereas the 129 to 41 ratio might allow more precise quantification of high amount of the image. Using this kit, we are able to routinely appraise DNA quantity, quality and genomic contamination from a given sample by using as little as 1.5 nanogram DNA. Discussion Pre-analytical variables we first considered the types of collection tubes that should be recommended to prescribing physicians and or accepted by our laboratory. We confirmed that EDTA tubes are inadequate as contamination by cellular DNA is already apparent after 16 hours room temperature. This effect is somewhat reduced by keeping tubes at 4 degrees Celsius which allowed us to conclude that replaceable samples accidentally collected in EDTA tubes can exceptionally be accepted within 8 hours of blood draw, with a possible extension to 48 hours if they were kept in the fridge during this time. In our hands, Strike BCT and Kyogen Pax gene tubes performed equally well and prevented contamination by cellular DNA for at least one week at room temperature. They were also effective at higher temperatures, one week at 30 degrees Celsius daytime or a five-hour heat shock at 39 degrees Celsius. By contrast, Roche collection tubes performed less well at elevated temperatures. Consequently, we elected to recommend only Streck and Kyogen tubes to our physicians but to accept all three types of tubes, being especially wary of possible genomic DNA contamination in Roche tubes collected during the summer. As far as blood sampling is concerned, several of our phlebotomists reported that both Kyogen and Streck tubes contain a high vacuum and draw blood quickly in. 
care should thus be taken that does not result in collapsing the vein during sampling. Cajun tubes contain a higher volume, ca 2 ml, of additives when compared to Streg or ca 0.2 ml or Rush, ca 0.5 ml tubes, which has to be taken into account when calculating DNA yield per ml plasma and may also require employing larger volumes of buffer when extracting DNA. Streg tubes being made of glass are more likely to break during transportation and or centrifugation. Finally, we observed coagulation and hemolysis in Roche tubes that were incompletely filled 3 to 4 ml, whereas this did not happen in Streg tubes under similar conditions. Quality control issues. There are two main reasons why quality control of DNA should be performed on a routine basis. One, to predict and possibly prevent experimental failure. And two, to detect possible false negative results. Whether the final analysis is performed by digital PCR, real-time PCR or high-throughput sequencing, DNA must first be amplified by PCR. Poor DNA quality or carryover contaminants might result in poor amplification. A PCR-based QC test can allow to detect such occurrences early and to dispense with costly subsequent analytical steps. This potential benefit, however, should be balanced with the percentage of low quality samples as the cost of systematically testing a vast majority of good quality samples might await the savings of not analyzing a few low quality samples. Such a control step is more useful when it allows for corrective measures that may prevent experimental failure. For instance, many analysis protocols rely on a precise amount of input DNA and quantification of cell-free DNA is thus paramount to adjusting concentrations and obtaining optimal results. More importantly, a good cell-free DNA QC test should reveal contamination with cellular DNA resulting from leukocyte lysis. The abundance of leukocytes in peripheral blood in the order of hundreds of thousand cells per milliliter implies that even a small amount of lysis might result in outweighing cell-free DNA by several orders of magnitude. This phenomenon will make it harder to detect low amounts of tumor DNA, further diluted by normal genomic DNA, thereby increasing the likelihood of non-detection, for example, potential false negative results. It is thus crucial to appraise the purity of cell-free DNA preparations and to be able to detect even low levels of contamination with cellular DNA. We show that capillary electrophoresis is up to the task and the expense of a significant fraction of the sample. With DNA yields often as low as 5 nanograms per ml plasma and vulnerable patients who often cannot be expected to provide more than 20 ml of blood, for example, circa 10 ml plasma, it might be necessary to commit more than 30% of the sample to such QC analysis. It was thus our goal to develop a QC test 
which would allow precise quantification of DNA, appraisal of its amplification potential and detection of genomic contamination from a single aliquot of the lowest possible amount. We believe the FFPEQC kit we tested optimally fits the bill as 1. Quantification with the 41 base pair amplicone correlates well with that obtained by fluorimetry. 2. Drops in the 305 to 41 and 129 to 41 ratios allow to detect the presence of DNA damage and to appraise its potential effect on PCA amplification. 3. Genomic contaminations readily detected by a rise in the 305 to 41 ratio. 4. This information can be obtained from as little as 1.5 nanogram DNA, which in most cases amounts to less than 5% of the sample. And 5. Repeatability and reproducibility of the test were excellent in our hands. The remaining issue is that of the cost, as this commercial kit significantly increases the per-sample pre-analytical cost. However, when compared to the cost of library preparation high-throughput sequencing, the expense of a reliable QC test seems reasonable, given the available information it can provide. Conclusions Given the challenges raised by the analysis of ctDNA, rock-solid validation of analytical procedures and pre-analytical factors is an absolute prerequisite. A carefully study of pre-analytical variables allows us to define conditions of sample acceptance and to issue a set of recommendations to our prescribing physicians. As to the type of tube to use for blood collection, we recommend Kiagen Pax gene or Streck PCT. We also accept Roche CFTNA tubes, but normally reject standard EDTA tubes and to storage transportation conditions. We also validate an effective PCR-based DNA QC test. HGDNA quantification and QC kit, Kappa Roche, which allows the inspection of several QC parameters in a single analysis, while involving only minimal amounts of precious DNA material. Although other venues may come up with different solutions, we hope that sharing our experience and highlighting the solutions we selected will be of help to genetic laboratories seeking to offer this novel, potentially extremely useful, but technically challenging technology to clinical oncologists. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestion, review article you would like to listen to, follow me on Twitter pubreading or send me an email info.pub.reading at gmail.com. Let's connect.